so I reiterate here, the bill is dead. The story of this great city is about the years before this night. This is Ho Ho Hong Kong. I'm Andy Curtin. I'm here with Vivek Mabubani. Wow. I thought you were going to go with Mamma Mia or something this week. But okay. I just, I feel racist at this okay. point. <laughs> We've done enough episodes. It's been a year. I think, you know, you got my name down. And where do people who want to get your name down, where do they find you online? Uh, funnyvivek.com or sometimes social media is funnyvivek with the letter M. You know, the, the one that you can't spell or pronounce properly. That M. Yeah. Just yeah. put that there. I'm Andy Curtin. Everything. Instagram, all that jazz. i got uh, a lot of stuff you can check out there. Also, we're doing shows now. We have a brand new website. It's amazing. Thebackstagehk.com. Yeah. Check it out. It's got shows, videos. Pretty much every week. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it's looking pretty good. Yeah, dude. Yeah. We sold out last weekend, this week. We're going to sell out like a bunch of weeks in a row. Oh, people get your tickets quick. Don't be the only one in Hong Kong I, who's not been to a it's show. It's funny when you sell out because like, you get to that moment where people are like, oh, can you get us in? And you're like... <laughs> No. <laughs> exactly. You're looking at me like, I'm sorry. Because yeah. normally people are so bold about buying late and it makes selling tickets really hard. But when yeah. you sell out, that's, yeah. that's good Good marketing. <laughs> uh, also, uh, go, if you go to patreon.com slash hohopod, we have a Patreon uh, and we do bonus episodes every Thursday. Lots of fun other video and photographic content. Uh, we have a Facebook group. Yeah. Look so at that. So if you Facebook Ho Ho Hong Kongers, uh, it, it's just, you know, lots of fun stuff about Hong Kong, China, Asia, all that jazz. And the great people from our WhatsApp group are in there as well. Um, I am, how's your coffee, dude? Oh, it's pretty good, man. I'm enjoying the V Coffee, Hong Kong's original vegan coffee here. And it's a mocha without milk. So luckily, I will not be going to the toilet for the next hour. Yeah, we're grabbing coffee from Mana, which is, Mana is great. I really do yeah. love this place. So yeah. You remember Bob's, you did an episode. And it's, it's not just Mana, it's Mana! Because there's an exclamation mark. I, that bothers me a little bit. It does, right? I'm yeah. just like, do I capitalize the next letter? Yeah. Manners in the center. You can't just have an exclamation. But it's funny, you you were talking about people having fonts as their logos. Yeah, last time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like, there you go. I'm like, guys, get rid of the exclamation mark. Yeah. Give yourself a logo. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's what you need. <laughs> now, they're fantastic. Um, now, today's guest is the author, co-author of Dear Hong Kong, which is a book that celebrates cultural diversity, featuring inspiring people from different countries, all living in Hong Kong and their contribution to our city. Oscar Budges. Thank you, man. It's good to have you in here. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure for myself. So did you just say D Hong Kong or Dear Hong Kong? Dear Hong Kong. Oh, okay, yeah. You making fun of my accent? Yeah. Is that like, what we're doing? I heard like D Hong Kong. I'm like, whoa, look at this guy with this. Dear. This yeah. Hello, Dear <laughs> Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, so this is a book, Dear Hong Kong. I love it because like uh, if you can speak, I mean, read the Chinese characters, instead of saying Hong Kong, it says Hong Kong with the Hong as in home, Hong Kong. I love ah. that take on it. When I saw them, I'm like, oh, that's so smart. Sounds pretty much the same, but it has the Hong as in home, Hong Kong. So I was like, wow. That's a very smart move. <laughs> I it's it's an amazing book. I got to say, it's up off the bat, and it's kind of interesting for us because whilst we're not expat focused, we do have a lot. We do look for interesting people in the city, and I know you had Jeff Rotemeyer in there, who's been on the podcast yes. before, and uh, it's just fascinating. So why don't we start with how you ended up in Hong Kong? So you've been here about ten years now, right? Yes, correct. I've been here for ten years. I came here for for the corporate job. I mean, when we ask people in our book. 
like the, the story behind is not so exciting. Like people came here for work or for love. Pretty much every <laughs> <laughs> or very rarely or, or to get away from love. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're here for work or love. Never love of the work. Yeah. But okay, we're here for this. <laughs> yeah. So I came here ten years ago for a corporate uh, job from in, Spain. In a Spanish company. I was living in Ireland before. I was uh, <laughs> already away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> so yeah, I was working for the first five years in uh, in this job, uh, traveling around Asia and and getting to acquainted with the differences. I was the expert in Asia from my <laughs> had you from been, my company. Had you been to Asia? <laughs> There's such a thing. Yeah. Had you been to Asia before? Yeah, I had I had been uh, I was backpacking in Asia for like a year and a half. Before, oh, so you're an just okay. before that. Kind of but expert. anyway, like, yeah. <laughs> how can I, mean, we, how I don't can I become an expert. In I don't Asia? blame you because like in, amongst my friends, I'm the Indian expert, <laughs> and they look at me like so viv. But tell me about Indian culture. I'm like, uh, sure. <laughs> well, uh, the thing about yeah, Indian <laughs> yeah. culture is, um, I mean, uh, we eat with our hands. I guess that's. I a just good love one. this like, idea that you're in like an office of Spanish people in Ireland, and they're like, "Who's the Asia expert?" Expert. <laughs> well, Oscar's got some elephant pants from Thailand. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, he knows how to order off the menu. So let's get him. I'll have a number one. Wow, that's so Asian. <laughs> He's using chopsticks. <laughs> so okay, you came here five years of the job, and then uh, what about like what what made you decide I want to get out of this corporate environment and kind of do something else? Well, that was a hard one, right? Because uh, you know we're used to you know good salary, good uh, yeah. Uh, you got the chicks and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got you got, got the, the name tag. I think I missed that part. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But they no, gave that to me and Vivek when we get out. <laughs> look at us, man. We're not corporate people. Look at us. <laughs> so then, then I decided that uh, to do something more meaningful. So I, I, I had like a, uh, an inside. Uh, Revelation, like just yeah, a thought. Yeah, kind of thing. One kind of those of moments thing, where you're at thing. the office desk going like, what am I still entering? I'm in Lotus position in the, in the chair. Yeah. And yeah. On <laughs> what industry were you working in? I was working in uh, fashion. So fashion. I was, uh, yeah, I was. So uh, already creative. It's not like you're. But it was bank. finance, not not so creative. Finance, fashion. Cre like, what do the rich dress? <laughs> like, well, should like, I invest? Is in that the like those Gucci? shirts that have like a dollar sign on them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like golden chains with the money word on no, it. No, like I was at the the executive. Uh, uh, finance di uh, director for this company in yeah. Asia. So I, uh -huh. I was traveling to different countries. I, I, I found myself with a suit and a tie in an in a office in India or in Japan or in Korea yeah. or something talking about finance. I'm starting yeah. to understand why you had the women. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I but approve of this <laughs> spending. <laughs> like, wait, you were the boss of a fashion company wearing suits, flying around. I, yeah, I decided yeah, to spend money yeah, or yeah. not. Women were yeah, attracted yeah. to you. Yeah. I worked in an office before. I, there were no women involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the thing is that uh, as uh, as fancy as it may look, I, I felt like I, I was a traitor to myself in a way. Like I was, uh, I wasn't really following on my values. Like, yeah, uh, who I, you were. I, I right? care about the environment. Was it fashion close? industry is not really caring about the environment. These kind of things. Okay. Or do I want to do this for the, my whole life? Like there are so many other things that I care about that I I just need time. Yeah. To, to start doing them. And there were so many projects, like uh, the Dear Hong Kong project, that were knocking there. Like, hey, I'm here, I'm here, yeah. I'm here. All the time, like for, for five years, yeah. I was just trying to do something like this, but I never had the time to do it. Did you try anything else before Dear Hong Kong? Did you have any other ventures that you tried or projects? Yeah, I mean, I started the travel business. So I like traveling. I was with my these uh, bands going around Asia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I started the uh, travel business to bring uh, Spanish people to Asia. 
because I, I was an expert in Asia, so I just yeah. uh, showed them around <laughs> and everything. Nice. That uh, failed. Like uh, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, Spanish people didn't want to come to Asia. Yeah, no, right? it was it was okay. It was yeah. okay. We had a good time. We traveled yeah, with yeah. them. We we didn't make much money. We didn't lose money. So but you enjoyed fine. it, yeah. yeah. So yeah, in, in a sense, it, it was a learning. Like uh, many things in life, that uh, you know, you learn from them yeah. and you enjoy them. That's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fair enough. Okay. And then I went to culinary school. Oh. So I decided to do something totally different. And I started training as a chef. So I spent a year in Hong Kong uh, learning how to cook. Wow. And I opened a, a private kitchen at home. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Good for you. I found myself cooking for people. You for were the people. teacher? I, no, no. no I, was, the cook. I was, was learning the, and then... You got a teacher. Let, let, me, let me just explain how absurd this is. So <laughs> you would have a flat in Hong Kong where you were like, I need to bring more people in here. To fill up my the space. The rent is very high. <laughs> yeah, the rent is... Oh, yeah, so you get people to come in and pay a fee so you cook for them. I was going to cook dinner for myself. I'm just going to cook for you and charge you more so I can pay my rent. That's yeah, such a yeah. brilliant yeah, idea. Yeah, you're just a bad host. Look at this guy. He's going to get <laughs> people... successful, eh? Yeah. I'm going to fly you from Spain to Asia, get you to come eat in my house. Like, this guy's all, all in it, man. I love your business Who idea. Who likes Delivery Room? Who likes Delivery Room, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But the Take thing on. is that I tried to make a brand that was like kind of uh, everything. So... The, the name of the private <laughs> kitchen was Chef Guevara. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love uh, it. So you big on the... On, I, so I, I see a theme here. I played <laughs> Cuban <laughs> music. I had the photo of the chair on the, on the wall and everything. Oh, yeah. And I cook Spanish food. Oh, my so. God. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That definitely would be an experience. Like, I can imagine so many date nights where the guy's like, I'm going to so impress her. I'm going to so impress her. And she's like, I was here with my last date. So, yeah, no. <laughs> I just imagine <laughs> all the people in Hong Kong being like, oh, yeah, I knew Che Guevara is Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people were asking me if I if he was my grandfather. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure, be, sure. Oh, you can tell any story like whatever story you want to hear. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> were you still working at the fashion company at this point? No, no, no. No, you got out of there. How how hard was that to quit? It was hard. It was hard because uh, you know, like uh, you have a good salary and everything. You stability. you don't know what's uh, yeah stability, which is very much. Uh, uh, precious in, in Hong Kong, right? Yeah. So look, people look for stability. But then I found from my previous experiences in life that sometimes you just jump into the void and yeah. then suddenly you can fly. Like things work. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. to take this leap of faith and then things will work. And yeah. they did. They did. So I feel much happier than... And, and worst case scenario, you can cook great food for yourself when you're like, no. you know, when you're broke or something. You're like, well, I can cook this. But I never say it was good, good food. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but they didn't know either. Yeah, I no basis. That's what they eat in Spain. I, I mean, food, yeah. I guess <laughs> Spanish people like soggy rice. I guess that, I didn't know exactly. That's what works for them. So, do you? Was there like a catalyst or something? Was there a, a moment that, or an event that transpired that you were like, okay, now's the time? Yeah, just clicked in your head that moment. Do you remember that? Well, the thing is that the the body is a very smart uh, thing. Like the body is telling you, like, "Hey, this is uh, we're not comfortable here." Uh. So I started to have some back pain, oh yeah, and because of being sitting in office and everything. And at that moment, I had more time to think, and uh, so uh, yeah, it felt yeah. like the perfect moment to back to pain. Change. Really makes me laugh because it's like not mine, <laughs> yeah, especially yeah, that was funny, yeah. no, <laughs> no, because it's. It, not always, but so often, it's the body being like, "Dude, yeah, yeah, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your spine and twist it, yeah, so you, you don't just, stop this, so yeah, you do to make different choices, yeah. you know, yeah, like yeah. it's such a bizarre, yeah, event, but but I see it all, you know, it happens so much, you know, yeah. so especially with, I don't want to say it doesn't happen to women, but I hear it happen to guys. A lot. It's like yeah, so yeah. many dudes yeah. have get like 
their back is the first thing to go when they're just making poor choices mm -hmm. in their employment. But then you can look at things in life in two different ways. Like uh, for me, it was a blessing. Yeah. Because that's the reason why you yeah. start doing something else. Yeah. And then with the distance, you see that it was a good thing, actually. I mean, yeah. No, for sure. I think a lot of times, I've, like, we've heard different stories where people said the health issues kind of made them rethink is that well, the path I want to keep going down or not. Mm. I mean, myself, I'm, I'm sure everyone's had those issues where I was like, I got to rethink my, my way of living, those kinds of habits that I have. Which is why when my friends are sick, I'm like, good for you, man. You know, <laughs> put down that vitamin pill. You need, don't need yeah. that stuff. This is going to ruin your life. Put away that multivitamin. Uh, hey, you have pneumonia. Good luck with your new career. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Nowadays, I just go up to my friends and cough at them. <coughs> this is for your future. Yeah. <laughs> so we did. You did the travel company. You did the cooking company. I mean, I kind of love. I, I actually, I, I have a similar history where I, I tried a few different things, and before I kind of landed on the one that I really love. Um, and how, how did you know? What, what? Okay. What was the starting point for Dear Hong Kong? Well, I mean, that started uh, really at the at this uh, fashion company corporate office. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you know that it would become a thing, a full time thing, or was it I kind of a side? No, I had no idea. But th this is the the thing in life that, the, and even I was not qualified. Like, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a mm. photographer. I'm not a writer. But somehow, is this thing that uh, you you know it makes sense. You yeah. know it. Uh, you have to do it. We started uh, actually with a friend of mine that became one of the photographers in the book, Raúl. So I, I asked him, like, okay, can, can we just... Uh, that was, uh, like, five years before we actually started the book. And you knew him before the book? <coughs> yeah. So I asked him, like, okay, can we just uh, interview people from different countries, see how it works? Yeah. And we had, like, a camera. We had, took video of them. I had no idea that I was going to do a book afterwards. Yeah. So that was going to be a multimedia thing. But I realized it didn't quite work because it was not intimate enough or we were really bad at that. Uh, I mean, you know. if two Spanish right. guys <laughs> asked me if they could film me, I'd be thinking it would be too intimate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, I wouldn't wait be a worried about a lack of yeah. intimacy yeah. in exactly. that situation. <laughs> and this, th this project is called Deer Hong Kong. Oh, there you go. Oh, oh, there you go. Yeah, let me rethink this. There's a deer involved as well? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So okay. the, the result wasn't, wasn't really good. Like, we couldn't really take the, the stories out of people. They yeah. were nervous. Uh, it wasn't good quality, but then somehow I kept on insisting. So yeah. uh, I may not have the technical abilities to do something like this, but I, I'm persistent. I, if I believe in something, I, I, I just want to do it. And then I was so lucky. Uh, I was volunteering for AGIS organization, Intercultural Education. Yeah. I, said, I was going to schools in Hong Kong and uh, yeah, I was yeah. uh, you know, cooking Spanish food yeah, or yeah. talking about climate change in Spain or yeah, whatever yeah. random topics. Yeah, yeah. They do because they, they want to bring the world to, yeah. to the class. So in, just to in, interrupt, in the intercultural education ICE is basically like this NGO, I would say. Like Social uh, enterprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Social I, can I just say, I love that it's called ICE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to bring ICE <laughs> no, to very cool. But also in the US, ICE yeah, is, I mean, yeah, it's, let's, it's very let's different get, situation. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Today, we're bringing you ICE. It's like, okay, yeah, my parents are going to be worried now. So what they do, right, is that they bring people of different backgrounds to schools and do not your traditional, oh, let me just talk about my life, this is our culture, but you actually do activities, like the cooking mm -hmm. that you've done. They've had Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, sorry, Brazilian uh, capoeira yeah. in schools where the students actually, in the uniform, are going to be doing capoeira 
I've been over there to, doing my stand-up comedy for them. Bro, yeah. us in the U.S. is the people that take the immigrants. That have <laughs> oh, come across the border. of course, I forget. Yeah, I thought it was the drugs that you were talking about. Yeah, I said, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. It's like the complete. It's like yeah. it's not expanding cultural understanding. Yeah, it's, it's removing <laughs> anyone. Yeah. Oh yeah, who's right. Culturally different. I, I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. This is why we're on a different time zone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, go on. So I just wanted to inform the listeners of what ISIS yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful social enterprise that. The, I was collaborating with, and then uh, during the talks uh, there with uh, Eggy, that is uh, is one of the people there, <coughs> uh, she, 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 she shared with me that uh, she had a similar idea of doing something. Oh, like this, this is your part, your co-author, right? Yes, Eggy uh, Lam. Yes. So, you know, when when two people have uh, similar ideas about something and the energy and time to to do them, then it's like uh, yeah, magic. You know, you yeah, just yeah. do it and. Uh, and ever since, uh, since we had that conversation, we have been working for more than two years. Uh, she's, she's still working for ICE, and uh, I, I had no other project, uh, so I was working full-time for this. And, and we just uh, went and did it. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it has been such a journey, because uh, ever since uh, we have interviewed like 100 people in Hong Kong, so apparently the most uh, inspiring people yeah. from every country. Uh, we were in this quest of uh, finding the most Im- inspiring people from every country in the world yeah, yeah. that lives in Hong Kong, and uh, and we're halfway there. Or even yeah. More. So How many? Because I, I read you've you've already interviewed ninety people. How many people have you interviewed now? Do you know? Do you have a number? Yeah, I mean it's it's about the same because we we produced this uh, this book, the Dear Hong Kong book, uh, volume one, with 80, 80 different profiles and uh, and the portraits. And and then probably after summer we will uh, keep on working on on the rest of the profiles. And you've interviewed people from Ukraine, Indonesia, Congo, Cuba, Pakistan. Uh, one of them was Dr. Mike Manio, a Filipino professor from the Faculty of Medicine at the University of Hong Kong, teacher and ex-prisoner Dawit Debesai from Eritrea, and former Pakistani pilot Ajmal Samuel, who became a Paralympic medalist. So. They're pretty, pretty amazingly diverse and characters. This is why you and myself are not interviewed in the book. <laughs> <laughs> we are just basic. <laughs> well, you know what is funny? Because I was like, "Yeah, of course the Eritrea guy got it." Like, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> I mean, like he's the only one in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, because you get one from each country. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. ah, come on, man. There's too many Australians here. Yeah. I've got nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got me. I'm like, I could juggle. <laughs> 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 no story to that. <laughs> I can do three rolls if you want. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, it's very interesting because the you know who is more inspiring than than others. Uh, yeah. I mean, we just uh, especially people who are like not in their usual place or basically in a different foreign place, and how do they survive and live? What's their story? Why you're here? I think that's really fascinating, right? Every person you speak to, I'm sure you thought I know this, and you hear them, and you're like, whoa. I've learned something completely new. I never realized that was the journey that you're here, right? Mm. And I also, I remember uh, Aggie was saying, was asked what who she thought was the most um, inspiring from Regina Larco on her podcast. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about, I can't remember the, the name of the place, but there's an orphanage in Wan Chai and it was the organizer from that. Do you remember who I'm talking about? I think it's called Mother's Care. Mother's, Mother's, Mother's Choice. Mother's, Mother's Choice, choice. Yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what a phenomenal so a pl- you know, place. That, like, uh, it's it's... Yeah, I recently my kid was in hospital quite sick and we were very worried about him because of COVID restrictions. He had pneumonia, he's in there for four days. And there's one-year-old orphans in there by themselves in the hospital. And I just thought, you yeah. sort of forget how, mm. how tough it is on some people, you know. I mean, you talk about having no choice in the challenges or no influence in the challenges you face. The kid doesn't even know he's a person yet. 
so you can you talk to, about this lady a little bit and the work that she does? Yes, absolutely. And the thing is that the, in this particular case, it's, a, it's very important because it uh, it touches on one of the social issues. And I mean, through the book and through the interviews, we're touching on different social issues in in Hong Kong. So this is one example of say, somebody that uh, came here a long time ago, like more than forty years ago, and actually established something beautiful that uh, people what know. What was her name? What was her name? Phyllis Phyllis Marwa. Got it. So. Uh, and, and the whole family, because now the, the, the lady running the, the charity is her daughter. So uh, she, she, she started this, and, and, and it's, a, it's a charity that people know, lo- local people in oh, Hong Kong know. Oh. And that's what we want, that people get related to, to these stories. And they probably don't know that it's an American lady that came to Hong Kong a long time ago to stay and to create uh, this beautiful uh, I mean, family of people that uh, all of the children are involved in charity issues as well. So the thing is, <coughs> what, they, what they do is they take care of uh, teenage uh, uh, pregnant women, and also their their children, so that is something that wasn't really taken care of in when when they started, and and they have been uh, creating a network of uh, of people. We even I, I will share this story because it's beautiful. When we were there, there was one of the volunteers that was there, that uh, she was so committed to it and uh, and so emotional. And we asked her like, uh, oh, how how did you come here to volunteer? And she was like, I was actually one of them. So I was uh, adopted. I was here when I was a baby. And then she wanted to give back to to the organization that actually uh, helped her to to find love, no? So yeah. I, and I, I realized like the currency that they give in such these places is, is love, is care. It's, uh, or, or you were mentioning uh, Jeff uh, in his organization, he's uh, giving S- kindness to people. This, this is uh, intangible things that you give to people. But also... Th- you know, he has so many people that were living on the street that now work for the charity. Mm, yes, right? yes, yes. And, and also, you know, we, we had uh, Fionn Leung um, uh, last week talking about the for charity. Time Auction, yeah. yeah Remember uh, Fionn Leung, you've met uh, from Time Auction? Have you yes, met her? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, when you're trying to assess whether a charity is doing good work, what what better vote of confidence than the fact that the people that went through it want to give back to it? Like mm-hmm. to me, you're like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, they're definitely like, doing good work. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is why I consider comedy a charity. A lot of people who have like <laughs> helped us with the set up the lights are like, I can do some stage time. I'm like, this is a charity. Yeah, they're coming back to do shows now. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely some uh, emotional orphans kicking around the comedy <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. scene. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like that's something. Like Mother's Choice is such a well-established uh, charity, as in like pretty much everyone knows it. Yes. And it's not one of those things of like, oh, it's just you know, it's a charity that you know on the side. But it's one of those things where it's not a matter of just I'm gonna throw some money and it's gonna work. It's like you need actually time, and you have volunteers who come take care of the kids as well at the centers. Because I remember I did I I helped them with their charity uh, ball and l- doing my research, learning more about the whole charity, and I was like, oh my god, like this is this is serious. When they first told me, it's oh, they're legit, right? It's legit. Like and then because okay, so for example, I remember they said like they needed to raise like almost like what twenty million dollars to keep running. Uh, properly and I was like wow are you what kind of money are you spending this on I'm reading more and more and I'm like okay I see why you need this kind of money <laughs> this give me like oh it turns out kids need to eat <laughs> yeah I was like who I, knew yeah who knew I would <laughs> every, have thought every day for their size I figured I mean come on you know a week a meal is good enough right you're not growing that fast are you yeah so I mean there you go so all these stories when you see it on the surface it's kind of like okay yeah helping kids I get it and then the more you learn like whoa this is not you know this is not just the you know, basic stuff this is like, but also legit. when you realize like if they weren't there, the people they're helping. It's not like they got another option. Yeah, that's another thing as well. So Mother's <laughs> Choice is also a very, very good example of like, you might have close enough, but I don't see something that can replace Mother's Choice. 
You know, I don't I don't see that in Hong Kong. So you have some examples like that. Other like, choice. Apparently, we don't have choose the choices. I'm sure you would know, Andy. Like, which that's, is, a, that's a <laughs> mythical statement. Yeah. That would not be approved as a charity in Hong Kong. Would you apply for that? They're like, yeah, no. The father's choice is not to help the kids. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, called, a, that's called a time off. It's like, can I have a father's choice center, please, where the I go there? The father's choice is, that's the banks. <laughs> exactly. The no, father's choice is when the center has the fathers there alone as orphans. It's like, all right, all the orphan dads come over here. And the anyway, father, I don't know how to cook <laughs> exactly yeah okay so all these different fascinating stories that you have met and then you've seen so like was there one that stood out the most to you like personally on your level that you were just like wow this is this really changed my mind completely or this is something i didn't expect do you remember that well there were so many of them like uh, mother's choice could be one of them uh, and this uh, i mean one for, for every one of the interviews there is something really powerful that strikes me because we ask them like who they are and what's the uh, philosophy for life yeah. and, uh, and with uh, with Phyllis from Mother's Choice uh, she said like okay I I chose at the point in time of my life to be kind to everybody mm. so my children whenever they are running around and very annoying or everything I'm going to be kind to them so this is a personal choice that we can all make in life and, uh, and then you, we're consistent with it and we just do it uh, unapologetically regardless of whatever happens and then that changes your life and yeah. I think that uh, she started with this little thing about her environment and then you see how it applies to their f her family and then her extended family because she considers like uh, more people in the community as the family yeah. and then you can feel like how, how this expands yeah. so it's like a little seed of uh, kindness or love that you put and then it expands uh, everywhere Many other, many other stories, but I think you, you were uh, talking about the Eritrea uh, uh, guy, David. So he has a fascinating story of uh, you know, being a prisoner in his uh, country and, and the way life can be in a totally different uh, country that we don't know and can change our perspective about the world. And we can feel super uh, happy and content about uh, our lives. Uh, because you know like uh, in a country where you don't have any freedom the, the government chooses for you which is your job so this is what you have yeah, to that's work that's what you do yeah. that's what you have to do and, and then you're appointed to work as a teacher in, a, in an army camp so you need to be training uh, soldiers yeah. no matter what is your uh, uh, background or, background or whatever, whatever yeah, or your values your moral values you need to be training soldiers and if you complain to that then you're sent to prison and, and you're, you're not sent to an ordinary prison. I mean, he was many times well, the describing... In, the prisons like the, in Eritrea aren't nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not nice. They're not guessed. nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so one of the things that strikes me whenever he tells me, uh, we became good friends, and, and he tells me about the, sometimes the, the, the conditions in, in the cell. Like it's like the millimeter, like how you should position yourself as a human uh, to fit. To fit. And that's the, that's the struggle you have. So it's and like a Hong Kong apartment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> more or less. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, with, with, this, uh, with these conditions, uh, he's a super happy person. And he's, mm. uh, he believes that, uh, you know, he's, uh, I mean, he's in Hong Kong now. And yeah. uh, he's grateful for all I'm his sure, yeah. uh, learnings and everything. And, uh, you know, it's very inspiring. Like, uh, I mean, you, you, you talk to him and, yeah. and you feel inspired automatically. Because like, I know, like, uh, you can even go to the websites. <laughs> it's dearhongkong.org, right? 
for the website. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and what's your, your Instagram account as well, right? Also, dear Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, dear like, Hong Kong. I'm sure at this Facebook. point, people are probably going to like this podcast is boring. I want to hear more about the book, so you can actually go to the website <laughs> and check it out, dearhongkong.org, or basically go to uh, the Instagram page and see more about these stories as well. Yeah, because like again, with the with, with the cool thing with the book is that of course every uh, couple pages is a different story, right? It's a whole. A book full of different stories and I highly recommend what people can do if you are kind of feeling lost in life which I've done with this book as well well I when I'm feeling a bit if <laughs> yeah when I'm feeling down just just flip honestly like take one random page flip it and read that story and be like damn my day's not that bad you know like this, my, my life's pretty alright and I can't complain anymore and this person's life's terrible well this person's <laughs> life was terrible yeah. it's pretty good now I'm like well if they could do that I can do this yeah so that's another good, good thing with all these stories in Hong Kong that you've, you've uh, highlighted in this book as well I also find like, especially, you know, I'm a, we're in our late thirties, you know, and, and I, I never understood why, uh, people in their, you know, they get to our age and a little bit older, they do random social activities, you know, whether it's like playing golf or like sporting team and I never understood it. And what I realized after a while is like, when you get out of your twenties, it's kind of hard to meet people out of the real narrow lanes that you live in. You meet people from work, you meet people and you start to realize that there's a, homogeneity and the, yeah, the people you're style, meeting right? yeah you're meeting the same type of people and, and like, whereas like when we do this podcast we meet so many people yeah. that we j- and 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 you don't just okay so maybe you meet people but you meet them in this superficial way where you don't get really to see how their life is quite different from yours and this is just ripping everything open yeah you know is that something that that, that you've experienced in, in interviewing people absolutely like uh, after i mean an interview after interview we realized that uh, this intimacy that we were talking about is very important to create this uh, for people to open up so we realized that at some point in the interview people were really comfortable and they were opening up and telling more about who they are and that's uh, that's fascinating because sometimes they, they they told us like oh actually i enjoyed the interview because i never actually took time to think about uh, my life in this way yeah so for us it was very inspiring for some of them or also, it was an opportunity, you know, to reflect on their lives and 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 what the, what they really care about that deeper than the usual conversations you may have in a yeah. bar, right? So about superficial topics. But but also like we're storytellers, and it's our job, I think, to to highlight them in a way that is a story. And and what I found, some people are great. Some people you just touch them on the shoulder, and boom, it just comes out of them. You know, like you, for example. But um, others, ha- even though they have fascinating work, have haven't realized kind of the story aspect to what they're doing you know it, and i guess those are the people that are maybe a little tougher to interview H- how have you found it getting people to realize you know to, to to tell their story yeah to be willing to open up and and and, and, and understand how you know it looks to everybody else well that's a very good question sometimes it was very very hard but the you know, trying to, something they mention at, at some point in the interview, then we go deeper into that because we kind of sense that there is a... There's gold uh, in them hills. There's gold there, yeah, yeah, yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> like keyword hit it. Probably something that they want to protect, that they want to tell a lot of people, yeah, yeah, but then yeah. if we their, dig Their back keeps deeper, aching when they yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. something. They twitch a little bit when they say that word, you're like, what do you say? What do you say? My, my bank account, twitch, twitch. He's like, wait a second. Yeah. No, sometimes, sometimes it's how their eyes uh, glow, shine. right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 the moment yeah, they yeah, say yeah, like, yeah, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they say something, and the, you know you can feel that people yeah. but, but I felt that way about you I mean when I when I heard you first talking about the book I was like you just had you were very passionate about it, it was just gushing out of you and I was like man we gotta 
Yeah, we got to get, gotta more get in on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, like, that's the thing is, like, speaking with you, you can see that this is not something that it's like, oh, I want to make some money. I want to make some different people. This is, like, something you really thoroughly enjoy, speaking to people. And I think, like, are you the type of person that loves hearing different stories of different people? And then that kind of gives you more guidance in your life? Because what I find for myself is that the more I meet people, it's not so much like, oh, wow, that's so inspiring. But it kind of makes people like, huh, that reflects with me. I can see that is something I would love to do and that's teaching me to better know myself, which is why with this podcast, when we meet different people, every time we speak to them, I'm like, ah, I would like to do something like that and it turns mm-hmm. out I'm into that direction mm-hmm. versus, you know, other things where I thought I want to just be really good at it. I'm like, no, I want to actually be good at it but also have an impact in this sense. Have you found that any particular stories that have made you rethink yourself you know, and, and your direction, like this is great doing the stories and everything, but you, Oscar, the person, mm-hmm. have you had moments where you're like, wow, you know, that's exactly what I want to be doing as well. Has there been one mm-hmm. moment like that? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you were mentioning about making money. We're making zero money. We're <laughs> <laughs> Nobody in the team is making Dear any Hong money. Dear Hong Kong, <laughs> help us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we did it deliberately. Like we, we said, okay, we have some donations. We did a crowdfunding campaign to sustain the production of the book and everything and the promotion, but that's it. That's uh, Nobody's getting anything. And I've, be, I've been working on this... Uh, <laughs> Uh, on my working on my savings uh, during this <laughs> yeah, time, yeah. but it's it's fine because I mean I I, I really like it. I really like to yeah, yeah, yeah. And and back to your point, like uh, yes, I mean whenever we, I'm very curious. I've always been very curious since I was a kid. I don't know why. Mm. Whenever I meet people that are different than me, yeah, I'm I'm curious. Like, wow. And for me, it's a, it's like a growing opportunity, and yeah. I want to to make people feel the same yeah. because there is uh, a lot of uh, things to learn yeah. when we meet somebody different than us. Correct, right. Like we are told, like, oh, we have to be homogeneous, we have to be like to work as a society, yeah, everything yeah. has to be the same. But for me, it's the opposite. Yeah. Like uh, I, I'm so curious. I'm, I'm yeah. meeting people from different places and that's my like sick curiosity about uh, knowing how many countries are represented in, in Hong Kong in the, in the first place. But yes, during the, the interviews, I'm also very interested in like uh, getting to know people. I, I did some life coaching, so I'm I'm g- interested in the like the psychology of things, like why people do things uh, mm. the way they do. The motivation them, that they uh, have behind their and, actions, and yeah. F- philosophy, the philosophy of life, or something like that. And this project is satisfying this uh, curiosity as well, like because that's what we ask them. Like this, what is your philosophy of life? What uh, moves you? What drives you? So yes, I mean after every story and we after every interview, Eggy and I were talking like. Yes, we, we feel inspired. We really feel like that magic. Then it's a, it's really difficult to put it on words. In, yeah, in yeah, yeah. That moment, right? <laughs> That's it's the challenge. Yeah. Because that, uh, that inspiration when we finish the, the interview is like, wow. Yeah. I know what you mean. I mean, have you had that where you've met, let's like, say, an idol or, or someone that you admire or spoke to and they just clicked in your head? You're like, wow, this moment is like making me really fired up that I want to do all these things. Have you had that, Andy? Yeah, you. Thank you. All right. Let's wait for that answer. All I right. really looking for. Yeah, I was like, smart <laughs> move, Andy. Fishing from across the table. Like, is there anyone you've met All right. who's, you know, from the city, but uh, maybe like, a little different? I'm using my eyes. I was like, Andy, say me. Say me. kicking me under the table. <laughs> yeah. Is there anyone yeah. you have met? Yeah. For example, the last 20 minutes that we've met, other than Oscar. All so right. what is your philosophy on life then? 
Well, just the well, that's a very deep question. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, what was the most recent philosophy? Because I think it gets really, really broad, right? The moment philosophy, like, but I hang have on, no, but that's what he said. He asks people. It's a fair question. Fair enough. Yeah. Actually, you're yeah. right. You're right. No, go for it. Yeah, Let, let's uh, do that's it. not the first question we asked. Like, what's <laughs> 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 the philosophy? Hey, like? dude, we're, we're twenty like, minutes. Have to meet you. Loosen up a little bit. Yeah, I'm curious as well. Like, what's Oscar? What's Oscar's philosophy of life? Well, for me, it's just like I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's just living life because I think we spend a lot of time like searching for things doing things all the time doing doing things but sometimes we just need to relax and, and just observe and experience things in life hmm. and 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 probably that's a i mean for me that's the the secret of it it's just hmm. like a, okay relax uh, look into yourself a, li- a little bit to see what uh, matters to you and then just uh, experience life uh, yeah. according to that and, and do things that move you rather than just doing things for the sake of doing them. I mean, we, we're all the time looking for projects and, and objectives and everything. We're kind of running out of time or something, but there's plenty of time to, yeah. to, to experience life. Because like, yeah. one thing you said in the beginning of the podcast was that you talked about that leap of faith that you made initially, right? And I think that's what you said. Like, you took that leap of faith and somehow you just keep flying. Like, you'll just somehow yeah, float. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's yeah. also fascinating. I think with comedy as well, you go on stage and you say, let's just try this bit and see what happens. And it turns mm. out, oh my God, this bit kills heavy, mm. right? Mm. And mm. you don't realize that it's, it's an ongoing thing. So have you, had, have you found that recurring theme with a lot of the people that you've interviewed where they've all kind of taken that leap of faith and that moment and suddenly now they're just floating in a different world? I think so. I think uh, with many of these stories, it's like this moment that they don't know why, yeah. but they know that they have to do something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, maybe you cannot, you cannot explain. It comes out of nowhere, yeah. but you just feel that that's the thing that you have to do. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then you just uh, leave uh, whatever you have, uh, whatever you're doing at the time, and yeah. then you just uh, jump, yeah, and yeah. then you fly. <laughs> I, I, w- I wonder if there's a parallel. Uh, so, so in comedy, when you, when you start, some of the the premises, the ideas you have, uh, you look back and they were like the best ideas you ever had, but you don't know how to develop them yet because you don't have the skills. And then later on, you're like, oh man, I could have done that joke so much better now that I know how to write jokes really well. You know, have you found that now you've kind of established yourself as an interviewer and a storyteller? You look back at some of the early ones you did and you're like, man, I could have done such a much better job. <laughs> yeah, let me speak to <laughs> them again. You know what I mean? You're like, you yeah. get better at it. Is that, is that something you can relate to? A little bit, a little bit. I think, uh, I mean, the, these uh, skills when, when you are doing uh, life coaching, so you're, you're talking one on one to people talking about their lives. I think that they help a lot to, to start the interviews. Uh, I think it was pretty much we were, we were run by like intuition. So we were not like following a script or anything that could be improved. It was just like a friend's chat. And that, is, uh, that has always been there. I mean, we all have those skills inside, I think, in a way. That's how I feel. Like uh, even though we had no training, I mean, of course we have we could have done things better, uh, probably in time because it took an awful time to do all these things. Uh, the process of uh, you know, like doing the interview, then transcribing the interview, then finding the story, then you know, the try, trying to make yeah. the yeah, trying to make the story better, sharing with them because we share the story with every one of them to see that if they they're okay with it, if they're yeah. okay with it, and it sounded like their voice, and then the translation part. Uh, so that was very very long process, but uh, so we could we could have improved that in terms of time. But uh, in terms of the type of questions, I think it was uh, it was the right thing to ask. I think, and you you don't even think about it. It's like oh yeah, at this moment in time is the right thing to ask. It's on instincts. I think so. That, that's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I noticed about the book is the design is amazing. I mean the 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 logo is great. The, the colors are all good. I mean 
do, do you have a design background? How did you get such a nice looking book? That, that's the thing. The like, fashion uh, thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I will tell this story. I attended this thing called Creative Mornings. So it's a, it's a gathering you have in the, in the morning every, every month. People are creative in the morning? Oh, wow. yeah, after I've never coffee. Thought that. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I create excuses in the morning. <laughs> exactly, not today. <laughs> yeah. So they had this 30-second uh, pitch that they open to the floor and anybody attending can share their story and uh, ask for whatever they want to ask. And one day I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my story. I'm looking for a designer for my book yeah. because our design sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were five designers that contacted us. Oh, okay. And one of them... Uh, is, uh, is the designer of the book and he's amazing Olivier yeah. is a French uh, French guy has been working like uh, night and day for, for making this design and it's very thoughtful because it's like the, the flooring of the of the Chachanteng in, in Hong yeah, Kong yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like the tiles that the you tiles see and yeah, the floor yeah. and, and then the colors so uh, every one of these colors in the cover is the main color of the portraits in every one of the pages so it's actually the collection of all of the colors in the book am the i crazy are those the similar colors to the metros as well the metro station uh kind not necessarily of, no no kind it's, it's of. Got you the got the blue the green the it, orange it's got because like i mean the hong kong trains have the red the green i can see you've got the brown one as well but like this the, the exact shade is not the the train shade no no no, no but, but what, like, i understand like what you said oscar is like actually every shade represents one of the stories that you have inside the book right yeah so in the in the corner here of every page you so see so this is the main yeah. color of this photo I never knew that you know actually I never realized so on yeah. every page on the side you've got a shade of let's say green or blue or whatever and that's yeah. represented by the cover design that, yeah. that, that each person designated one shade of color yeah. So as much if this book only had three pages, this would be racist. But the fact, <laughs> that, you have, the fact that you have a lot, it makes it very international. <laughs> like if we're going to interview some more people, the book's yeah, looking racist. Oh, we're only stuck at ten, man. This is not going to come out well. But we have twenty. This is a great idea. So the message is like uh, all the colors in, in yeah. Hong Kong, multicolor, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. not color in terms of uh, skin, skin color, yeah, but, but just, uh, just the, the personalities yes, and everything uh, put together. Oh, you don't have any green people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no one's environmentally friendly. So yes, uh, Olivier, Emilia. He's, he was the one, the, the artist behind, uh, yeah. behind all this, and it was such a pleasure working yeah. with, with him. And like him, whenever we, we call them angels. So whenever we have a need for the project, we just reach out, and then some angel comes out of the sky and, Man, and has how, this skill that we need. You know how need. to win people over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, how, how much are you going to pay me? Well, we're going to call you an angel. Yeah. Ah, I'll do it. You know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but that was very hard. I remember at the very beginning talking to, to Bradley, the head photographer for the book. He and the photos are also uh, pretty, they're incredible photos. Yes, yeah. but imagine myself like a Spanish guy with a long beard uh, meeting somebody for coffee. Yeah. I mean, talking to a professional photographer and telling them like, hey, do you want to help me? to yeah. make this book I yeah. will pay you nothing yeah. and you will have to be using your professional skills that yeah. you're usually paid for this is why so the women like okay. you okay. <laughs> this is why you get the women yeah exactly it's just that accent yeah. <laughs> okay like, I don't know why but I feel like I need to help this guy <laughs> this is fascinating try doing that with an Australian accent <laughs> yeah. alright we're taking some photos not paying you nothing wait where are you going come back yeah. <laughs> it's called D Hong Kong no you can't understand <laughs> Day, the letter <laughs> day, yeah, <laughs> not the grade. Oh, whatever, never mind. Okay, so uh, can I ask you this? So, then, what is the ultimate goal of Zero Hong Kong? What would be that thing that you feel like this book has achieved it? Yeah. So the, the purpose—that's uh, a very good question. The purpose of uh, our book is not to sell sell books or anything. Is to reach the more local community. Yeah. So people in Hong Kong, the students that uh, may not necessarily have met or have interacted with a foreigner yeah. in Hong Kong. 
to have the opportunity to to know about the stories and to connect with them. So the ultimate goal of the project is to to make a society more cohesive, more yeah. to to link like uh, yeah. different people, so the society may be more tolerant. So we want to break these stereotypes that we all have about uh, different enough, yeah. places in the world, different people. So we want to break these stereotypes and make people more more connected and 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 hopefully. Uh, people can learn and be inspired by these stories as we were inspired when we were talking to them. So that's the that's the whole idea, and that's why the book is in uh, English and in, in Cantonese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are going to to do events. We have had done some exhibitions, and we want to do events in schools, in libraries, to to be able to reach these uh, these people. That initially is like, okay, what is in here for me? Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. initial response. Like, what what is in here for me? I mean, yeah, True. A, a lot of uh, people, a while doing yeah, things, yeah, everything. But uh, what is in here in yeah. here for me? So that's how we want to to connect with them. But have you found that sharing these stories? Because you have done exhibitions and stuff with this, and have you found that people actually come in? Let's say come into the exhibition with the mindset of like, oh, look, look at art. Let's look at these stories. And when they leave, like, do they have different comments of like, whoa, I didn't didn't expect it to be like? Because like with this book, honestly, not to praise it because you're here, but like. I thought, okay, when you gave it to me, I was like, oh, you know, it'll be cool stories and everything. But just randomly flipping. What I enjoyed most was the random flipping rather than going page by page. But mm. I was like, you know, let me just see what this story is about. And I'm like, mm. oh, my God, this is fascinating. I, like, I wouldn't have made this up myself. He mm. reads it on the toilet. I can tell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like some days, you know, when I, when I didn't have my vegetables, I'm like, I need something, dude. I need something. I can't be sitting here waiting, man. I'm losing my mind. My phone's low batteries. I need something. This Picking it up fun. randomly, flipping it. I know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> clearly, this guy's not that free. Busted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that helps. That helps. Hey, you know what? I learn a lot when I'm given. Right? <laughs> the more you give, oh the more God. you get. <laughs> Why did I set you up for that? Yeah, and the thing is that we put all of these uh, profiles, like, uh, you know, when you randomly select one, it could be a, a domestic worker, it could be a, a CEO of a company, yeah. it could be, like, any type of uh, people in, in Hong Kong. Yeah. Like, uh, like we, we try to balance, like, uh, gender, race, profession, yeah. age, uh, yeah. Everything. So, yeah. so that, that's a surprise. I think, yeah, uh, so thing. that's what I mean. Like with this one, it's not a matter. Of, let me let me upgrade myself in the corporate environment by reading all these successful mm -hmm. people. This mm -hmm. is like just people with stories that mm -hmm. are fascinating, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And and I think that represents Hong Kong in many ways. You like when you see someone on the surface, you're like, oh, this guy can't be it that good, you know? Just look at the way he's dressed or whatever, and you're like, well, what? He's done a what? He's done that. And I think that's what same with com comedy. Where with comedy, you'll see the guy on stage. This is very fascinating. But when they get off stage, you're like, "Whoa, this guy's not that funny," <laughs> right? You know, like it's a reverse thing. Where we go backwards when people are impressed with us on stage. When they we get off stage, yeah, we're the opposite. Yeah, exactly. They get less impressed the more they know us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, "Wow, you just went out and you weren't making a joke crossing the road." I'm like, "No, I I just crossed the road. I waited for the green light and I crossed it." Like, oh, if you have okay. a really good set, people come talk to you and they just stand there staring at you with a big grin on their face, and you're just like, "Man, it's hot today." Yeah, yeah. They're like, come on, say it. Where's the punchline? Hey, I'm waiting for it. Yes, yeah, so you have that. All right. So, I mean, the, the objective of the book is to kind of interconnect a lot of people and let them know that Hong Kong, especially, I mean, the world, but Hong Kong, especially, where you've got people of all sorts of backgrounds who are considering Hong Kong home as well. And they've got their stories. Because I think that's another thing that uh, the Hong Kong education system lacks, where we always talk about the idea of like, oh, we are multicultural in an international city. But very often it's a matter of like, oh, so let's welcome these non-Chinese or non-locals into our community. It's like, wait, hold on. Why, why do you put it that way? It's not that you have to welcome. Like there's a word in Chinese called baoyong, which means inclusive, you know, let's include them. And I always feel that that's very like I'm at this level and I'm going to include you mm -hmm. in my activities. Mm -hmm. And Certainly mainland China has that. 
There you go. That's yeah. definitely the perspective. So it's a very like that kind of mentality of like, I am going to be the bigger one to include you. And I mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. joke about when people tell me, oh, we want to do an inclusive event. I'm like, first of all, I don't need you to include me. Mm-hmm. I right? think there's also an element of like, w- I'll let you into my thing, but... Yeah. If you mess up, yeah. you're and out. Exactly. Yeah. And you're representing. You know? like the pressure's on you. If you mess up, you've just excluded a lot of people as well. I'm only letting you in to the extent that I feel like I'm willing to allow you in. Yeah. To the to, to the moment until I'm no longer willing to allow you in. Exactly. That's yeah. a real strong vibe. I get. Yeah. And and that happens a lot in the local education system where mm-hmm. we're we're taught a lot of that, oh, we should be open minded and welcome people. But it's always a matter of like, oh, we should welcome them instead of and I always say, Why can't we just play together? My thing when I go to schools to talk, I always say like let's play together. Because what I found growing up is that if I put aside the whole who welcomes who and just say, You wanna play? Let's play. And then within twenty minutes, like we're playing. That's it. That's all we're doing. And with these stories as well, in Hong Kong, the whole idea is it's a game, right? Mm-hmm. And People have their different ways of playing the same game. We're trying to get that last seat on the minibus. You know, we're trying to get that train, right? So it's all it's all a game, really. But mm. I mean, like, th- I mean, I understand that'd be effective in high school. But you know, now at your age, do you think it's weird that you're still playing with children? <laughs> well, Andy, this is why I don't have kids. Because <laughs> I know, like, if I did it on a full time basis, they'd be like, "This is not right." But I, I also, it's an interesting point about the internationalness of this city because it is very international. But the internationalness is in small pockets. And really, and I know you've mentioned this before, is if you get out of Central, Hong Kong is just very Chinese. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not as international in most places. On average, it's very not international at all. Um, And I think part of the book, if I, you know, from things you've said, is about showing the, you know, people from Hong Kong how international their city is in a way they don't understand. Is that, is that, was that a goal? And do you think you've been successful in achieving that? Yes, I mean, we have at the beginning of the book, we have a map of Hong Kong showing like landmarks of the city that are related to cultural diversity. So iconic uh, places in, in Hong Kong that were started. So like the racetrack and... Yeah. I mean, yeah, a, a good example. Club, the, uh, sorry. Yeah, go, go. No, I was just going to start for you. That's always the example I like to, use, like to use in schools. So please continue, continue. Yeah, so all of these places will set up the framework for people to say like, well, I mean, it's not like today, but uh, from history, like Hong Kong is an is international city. Not, I echo I, I what you mean about the, the pockets. Uh, and it's true that in some places it doesn't look international at all. And we are, we are trying to, and that's very hard. That's very hard to, to, to make people think in terms of uh, that, that, that we have this uh, strength in, in Hong Kong. So the moment that people uh, change their, their frame of uh, thought, that, uh, you know, like actually like this uh, international uh, city is, uh, is one of the, the things that make uh, Hong Kong unique. So how, what makes Hong Kong different from other places? Yeah. One of the key things is the, that it's a very international city, historically and, and nowadays. And, uh, and maybe one, one key thing is uh, when we ask people, like, uh, wha- like writing a letter to Hong Kong, like, dear Hong Kong, uh, what, do I, what, what do I tell to you? Uh, people say, like, this is a place that I can feel myself. Like, people come here and they can feel... Uh, they find their place. So that makes a city international in a way that anybody coming here, they can feel like they're at home. Yeah. So that is another angle to see how international place is because it's comfortable for, yeah. for anybody. It's very welcoming for anybody to come here. Yeah. Oscar, thank you so much for sharing your time today, man. It's been fantastic. It's a pleasure.